Well, this morning with our, with our VBS wrap-up, I just wanted to take a little bit of time because obviously we read through Ephesians chapter 6 together, right? And uh, we saw there's a whole lot of things going on in Ephesians chapter 6 when it comes to the armor of God, when it comes to the real the reality of spiritual warfare and what that looks like. Uh, there are so many things going on behind the scenes. And yet we only had three days to be able to kind of tap into all of that. And even in terms of just the armor of God, we only talked about three specific pieces of that. And as we read in the passage, there's a whole lot more that God has equipped us with. So we're going to walk through just briefly this morning and just touch on some of the pieces of armor but more than anything, uh, there, there are a couple reflections that I just want to offer from this passage and really connect them to uh, the context that I think we're all walking through, many of us walking through some challenging, hard times in our own lives. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to shake your head. But I could look out at, at our church at family of everybody who's here, and I could shake my head at you and say, your family is going through something challenging right now, or that there are difficult circumstances, or there are things that are, uh, that are perhaps a little bit extra out of the ordinary that are challenging for us. And even if it's just the ordinary things of life, these things are hard. And so with these things, God has given us tools, and God has given us resources that we can connect to the challenging parts of our lives. And so we'll just reflect on that, and, and I'll, I'll offer some things in passing here as we go through the passage. So where do we find all of the information about the spiritual armor, the armor of God? Where did that come from again? Ephesians chapter 6 is where we found it. But you know where I want to start our discussion of the armor of God this morning? In Ephesians chapter 4. So in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. Now we have the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, but this, it, I want you to consider that the picture of the armor of God is kind of like an Oreo cookie. Who here has ever had an Oreo cookie before? All right, so you, how do you make an Oreo? What makes it an Oreo? You have a cookie, and then what? Cream, and then what? Cookie. You made a sandwich, right? It's a cookie sandwich. And in the book of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, we kind of have a sandwich, all right? Paul talks about two ideas that create the cookie of our sandwich. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us a word picture of how the body of Christ is a group together. He actually calls it a body. Okay, look with me in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we can look at verse 11. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and here we read, and he himself, that's Jesus Christ, he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping, that's the, the building up of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Whenever you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're put into a new group of people. And that group is labeled, is pictured as, as a human body. Well, why did Paul pick the picture of a human body? Well, because as a human body, do we all have different body parts? We have toes, we have fingers, we have arms that our fingers are attached to, we have necks, we have heads, hearts, lungs, all sorts of different things. We have parts that you can see, parts that you can't see. The human body is a living picture of how God connects us through Jesus Christ together as a family. And look with me in verse 15 now. Paul says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. So we're all growing more and more Christ-like. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, but every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I love when Paul uses big words like every and all, because that includes everyone, whether you're young, whether you're at the oldest end of old, and every single person in between. We're all included in that And Paul says that we're all joined and knit together. Does anyone here knit? Hmm. I know we have some crocheters, right? All right, we have some crocheters. See, I'm a guy. In my mind, uh, turquoise and blue are the same thing. Knitting and crocheting are the same thing. (laughs) You're taking string and you're connecting things together. That's the idea of being joined and, and knit. You're connected together. He says here that we are joined and knit together. We are connected in Christ because of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has given us, and what Christ does in and through other people in our church. When God works in your life and God moves you to reach out in love, and step out of your comfort zone and come over here and give an encouraging word and give me a hug over here and say, I'm so thankful for the work that you've done and I I appreciate it. Or just thank you for being here. Ah, you just provided something for me. You loved on me and now I have a new connection to you, right? And so, and and that's kind of the idea that, that that Paul offers here, that we're joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So just even little things like that, but I want us to point out that we're all part of the body together, and everybody supplies something. Now, what you supply might not look like what somebody else supplies, and that's good, right? 
because Paul gives us the body illustration, and he says not everybody should be the eye. Because if everybody were the eye, I mean, eyes are pretty important, right? It's nice to see. But if everybody did the same job in the same way, in the same place, well, where would be the, the hearing? Where would that be? And so God has gifted us all differently. He's enabled us differently. God burdens us differently. And he has given us all even different temperaments so that we might have similar skills to other people, but we use those skills and they look very different in one person compared to the next person. That's just how God has designed the body. Everybody is needed. Now, why am I spending all that time? I thought this was all about the armor of God. Well, before Paul ever talked about the armor of God, he talked about the people of God being connected together as a body of Christ, and everybody participates, everybody provides something. And as a church family, I want to take a moment, and I want to encourage us, and I want to point out, and I want to praise where we can that when we gather together this week, do you know how one of the greatest ways that I saw the Lord work this week was in the body reaching across to itself. And this part was broken over here. This part is sick today. Do you know what the rest of our church body did this week? Ain't no problem at all. And people over here stepped up and said, I'm not really good at that, but you know what? I'll help. Let me help. Or, hey, you're struggling. Let me come, and I'll help you along here. We had, uh, we had entire families out. We had uh, lots of different people just moving, people dropping like flies, it seemed. But God worked through the body. And as, as, it's such an important thing for us to see. You can look, we, uh, you know, we do all this work. We, this year, and it's exciting, we... We promoted VBS in greater ways, in more ways than we've ever promoted VBS before. And you want to know something? We actually had less kids than we've ever had before. Now, if we're just looking at this from man's perspective, we could get a little downcast. We could get a little bit discouraged. But we have to seek the Lord's perspective. Kind of one of the interesting things there we read in verse 15. But speaking the truth and love, and we're going to put on that belt of truth. We need to, to factor in, well, what does the truth say? What does God say about all of these things? From a worldly perspective, we could look at it and, and we could say, oh, man, this, it was just one problem after another. It wasn't as well attended as, as previous years. And, and oh, it's, it's just so discouraging. But we need to take the moment to have the eyes to see God worked. God was here. God worked and showed up in my life, giving me the strength to pull my body and pry my head off that pillow every single morning to come here. And I know he did that for you as well. Our power, our strength came from him this week. And we rallied together, we joined together, we, we suffered together, we struggled together, but we also got to joy together as well. And I want us as a church family to just take a, a, a moment to reflect, appreciate that, 
and, and gain God's perspective on that for our hearts and lives, lest we become discouraged, lest we become, as Paul said to the Galatians, he said, lest we become weary and well-doing that God worked and we saw him work in wonderful ways. One of those ways was that our body strengthened itself and God supplied. Young body members stepped up and they helped and they served. Uh, new church members stepped up and got involved and uh, it's just a blessing. I can't tell you what it's what it's like. What it's like. You have a group of, of, of individuals who want to love the Lord and serve the Lord. I love background music. Really, I, I need something more suspenseful though, next time, though. So I'm actually, I want more emotion. Let's cry. No, I'm picking. So uh, with all that, so every member matters. That's, that's, that's what I want to talk about. Every single per, per, person of our church matters, and they contribute with that. Now let's connect that. So Paul talks about the whole group. All right, he says, you're the body of Christ. That's the sandwich, all right? And the Oreo, what comes next? The icing, all right? And so after Paul talks about the group, he actually starts, he breaks it down, he talks about individuals. That's where he goes, talks about walk worthy of the calling. And remember, we've talked about this in my marriage series, our family series. Of, then he talks about moms, or no, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my outline wrong. Uh, I'm doing God's outline wrong. He talks about husbands, and he talks about wives, and then he talks about uh, children. And then now he starts talking about another group. He starts talking about everybody together in a group. So that's how we're a bit of a sandwich. He starts with the body of Christ, the whole group there. And then he talks about individuals, and he draws it back together with this whole group talking about the armor of God. You don't have armor if you don't have a body, correct? If you, you, there is no need for armor if there is no body. So that's why Paul, the, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, this starts way back in, in chapter 4 of, we've got something to protect, and God's given us the armor of God. And just like every member, whether you're young or old or somewhere in between in our church, every member is needed, every member provides something. When it comes to the armor of God, every piece of armor is needed. It's not a buffet. It's not a, ah, oh, I'll take this. Just like the body. Ah, oh, you know what? I really like this guy over here. They can be part of my, they can be part of my body of Christ. Uh, this one over here, I don't care for as much. No, it's, it's all a body. It's a package deal, just like it comes to us uh, with the armor of God with that. So look at Ephesians chapter 6 now, and look at verse 13 with me. Again, before we had every joint supplies, every member is important. Every member does. Now look at the exclusive, inclusive words that Paul uses over in chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not just the shiniest pieces. Kids, if you were to look at a, at a knight and they had their shield, they had their breastplate, they had their helmet, they had their sword, you look at them, would you, are you naturally drawn to just one part of the armor in general? On my own, I kind of am. When I look at a knight or I look at a soldier, particularly a knight, you know what I look at and what I'm drawn to the most? That sword. 
man, I, I, I want to do something with that. I get excited about that sword. And we can all be drawn to one piece over another. But Paul says, no, 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 no. It's not just one. It's all. Take on the whole armor of God. Every member needs every piece of the armor of God. Well, what are some of the pieces here? Well, we've talked about a few already. Look at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The idea, we said this is like a belt, right? And so at this time, when, when somebody would be, be getting dressed, uh, even their, their undergarments were always long and flowing. And the, the belt that they would wear would keep that girded up and together with that uh, so that a soldier could move swiftly and could move freely and could move forward. Could you imagine? I, I, I really can't unless I've been wearing a costume. Ladies might be able to appreciate it more with a, with a long, flowy dress. Trying to run in a dress, ladies, do you do that often? <laughs> Maybe I should even ask, A, do you ever run often? No. <laughs> But it's, it's a challenge. It's hard to freely move. But that belt would gird it up and it would hold it together so that you could move forward and you could move freely. And I think that's really an important distinction for us because truth, it is the belt of truth. And truth is the thing in our lives. It is the thing that God has established that allows us to, to move forward and it allows us to move freely through life. If we don't have truth girding us up, allowing us to move, if we don't have truth, what do we have? Oh, we have the absolute. We have something that's not true. We have lies. We have deceptions. We have all those things that the devil's going to throw at us. That's what we have holding us down. Have you ever felt, I'll describe it this way, stuck in life? Have you ever felt stuck before? You're like, I'm just treading water. I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm moving forward. I'm not, I'm not advancing. There, there's, not, there's not a lot going on. I just kind of feel blah and stuck. And, and that happens. There are seasons of life that go with that. But as I contemplated on just all the pieces of armor this week, that's one of the ideas. The idea of, of truth helps bind us uh, help free us from the bondage of, it helps get us unstuck. We've all talked before and we've taught many times through here the progression of scripture, how Jesus Christ himself is the truth. And, and Christ, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he's come and the truth sets you free. We're thankful for all of those truths. So when we have the belt of truth, and it girds us up, and we have truth allows us to be unstuck and to move forward and to move freely. So Paul says we have the belt of truth, and then he goes on at the end of verse 14, he says, we have put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, what does a breastplate do? It protects your heart. It protects your central organs. If, you, if your body were in a crisis situation, say you were in a traumatic event, say you were uh, uh, experiencing some sort of crisis, like you were shot 
or something like that. Your body, on its own, is naturally going to do the thing that it needs to do to protect itself so it can live as long as possible, all right? Or say you were really suffering, uh, you were out stuck in the cold, out in the cold snow of, uh, of North Castle, all right? And your body is, is just shutting down because it is so cold out and you're suffering from hypothermia. Do you know what your body is going to do? Uh, what it's going to protect most? It's going to protect the heart right here. Why? Because if you don't have a heart pumping blood, you, you, you ain't got nothing. You, you're, not, you're not functioning with that. So the breastplate is very important uh, for protecting our heart. Scripture has a lot to say about protecting our hearts, guarding our hearts, for it, from it flow the issues of life, the book of Proverbs explains to us. So when we wear the breastplate of righteousness, there's a component that this is Christ's righteousness protecting us, but there's also a practical application to this, that when we walk according to the truth, and according to God's plans for us, it's just the right thing to do. And when you do the right thing, it naturally protects you from, because you're not doing the wrong thing. You're not living dangerously. You're not living recklessly. And so uh, there's uh, practical applications to the breastplate of righteousness, as well as the doctrinal application that Jesus' very righteousness is applied to me. And any fiery dart that Satan might try to send at me that might say, hey, look, this guy slipped up over here. Did you catch that, Lord? It doesn't matter because I have the breastplate protecting me of Jesus Christ's righteousness covering me. Nothing can get through at all. Verse 15 says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What do shoes do? They help take you places, don't they? You're always at the ready, able to deliver, serve, and share. This morning in the, uh, in the aftermath of the nice storm we had, I looked out, uh, out my uh, sink window out of the kitchen as I was making my pot of coffee this morning, and do you know what I saw when I was greeted with? Garbage everywhere. The wind last night had taken both my recycling bin and my trash bin and knocked it all over all sides of the property, and there were also trees down everywhere. And so I went outside, out front, to really assess the damage, and I was just barefooted, and there was still wet everywhere. And I, I walk outside, and I ended up going out because I was so moved of, there's so much junk. So I just went, and I, I just jumped in and started doing it. But you know, I did not have any shoes on uh, to do that. And uh, the ground was pretty squishy. All right, it felt like I was walking in wet noodles or something like that. It didn't feel really good at all. And you know what? It slowed me down. I don't want to walk in that. We wear shoes to protect us and to propel us forward. And that is what the gospel of the peace of God allows us to uh, swiftly share that with others. 
Look at verse 16 now. So then we have the shield of faith. It says, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now notice, we've already said that a lot of these other elements have already worked together. Remember, the truth dispels lies. All right? The truth does that. The truth can quench a dart of Satan. The breastplate of Christ's righteousness quenches accusations that Satan makes at me. But the shield of faith, my trust, my response of faith and belief to the Lord quenches the fiery darts of Satan with that. There are darts that are bound for your heart right now that nobody knows about and that nobody can see, not even you. You see, there's a spiritual reality to the world around us. And I think this week, more than many weeks, I felt the reality of that this week. I felt the reality of those darts hurling at me, just trying to zap my energy, my effort, my awareness, just even my, my, my clear-headedness. <clears throat> you know, fiery darts... What's the purpose of fire? Or what, what are some things that fire does? Fire burns, doesn't it? How many people have ever had a burn before, a sunburn or an actual fire burn? Does it feel good? No? Does it hurt? Yeah. What else does fire do? Can it destroy? Yeah. Yeah. I've had family members whose house and their entire worldly possessions uh, gone in a matter of minutes and hours because fire took it. It destroyed it all the way. After that, if you've ever been around uh, where, or you've ever lost anything to fire, guess what else happens after that? Fire can induce fear. You go through a traumatic event where you've lost everything, or maybe you really hurt yourself. Man, you know what? I don't like fire anymore. I'm scared of fire. It induces fear. Fire creates smoke. It makes it hard to see clearly. These are all tactics of Satan that he uses fire. But God gives us the shield of faith. He gives us our trust and reliance upon his strength, his power, his might. That's the thing that helps us cut through the smoke. That's the thing that helps us cut through and see through the fiery, burning pangs of pain that Satan might send our way in any and every situation. We have our reliance, we have our trust in God. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation, it's the firm starting point for protecting and guarding. What does the helmet do? It protects our head. What's up here? Our mind. And God gives us the tools to protect not only our heart, but our mind, our thinking with what we're doing. We're not going to turn there right now, but it, perhaps you might want to write this in as a cross-reference on your Bibles uh, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. 
Paul also talks about the armor of God over here, and he refers to it as the help, the helmet of the hope of salvation. He doesn't just say the the helmet of salvation. He says the helmet of hope of salvation. Paul, time and time again, dangles right in front of us the hope of our... He says, looking for that blessed appearing, our blessed hope of when Jesus Christ returns for us, that hope of salvation, when our faith becomes sight, where we see him face to face and we're no longer in these bottles, uh, bodies, that hope protects our minds. And boy, do we need to protect our thinking whenever we're struggling, whenever we're being attacked. And then finally, we have the sword of the Spirit You can cross-reference that, as many of us have before, to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God cuts through, it pierces, it not only effectively protects and saves us, it actually is an offensive weapon that helps us and enables us to fight Satan's evil in this world. And so Paul said, take on the whole armor of God. And we have all of these pieces that we've talked about. We can't just pick one. It takes them all. It takes a comprehensive thing. Last thing that I want to point out from this passage here is after this, he goes on and he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful of this. And he he talks about prayer, and he continues that all the way down through verse 20. Now, all of these pieces of armor don't even get a full sentence. And then when he starts talking about prayer, he gives lists of things to pray for, and he dedicates three entire verses to prayer. And, and it just made me think of, of this kind of idea that the reality of spiritual warfare is greater than anything we naturally recognize. And the things that we can't see are often the most important elements of life in any situation. Do we often, can we really, or do we see people praying for us? We do if they, if they tell like, hey, I've been praying for you. But we often don't even take the time, or, or sometimes it's just such a cliche saying, we're like, hey, uh, take care, I'm praying for you. You know, it's just the thing that Christians say. But when believers really take the time to be on their knees, lifting up, exhorting, uh, supplicating for other believers, for God's children, look at how much attention the Apostle Paul gives it here. And it is a communication weapon for us. It is part of the armor of God. It protects us because it keeps us locked in and communicating with home base, with our Heavenly Father, helping us to gain His perspective through every fiery trial that we might be walking through. God has gifted us the body of Christ, and God has gifted us armor for the body of Christ that protects each and every member with every piece of equipment. Let's pray. Father, we just bless, we uh, praise you for your goodness and just, uh, Father, your plans are higher than mine. They're, uh, it's just beautiful. 
Father, how you have given us a, a, the body of Christ. And Father, we just want to praise you for how we saw uh, the whole body of Christ work together this week uh, at VBS. Father, we missed many people each day. We missed different kids. But Father, uh, you picked up the slack and you worked in glorious, mighty ways. So we praise you for that. And we just thank you for the wonderful reflection of your grace uh, of, of, and what this body is. Father, we know that that is a light that shines on a hill to the world. And Father, we pray that we uh, shine that light uh, even uh, greater in times to come, Father. And uh, Father, we do pray for protection for us all. And it seems uh, as corporately and even individually, there were many, many darts being fired. Uh, it seems at, at many of us this week as we all struggled uh, in an extraordinary way this week. But Father, you are mighty. Your armor is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, you tell us in uh, the Corinthian church there, Lord. So Father, thank you for the armor. Thank you for the remedy that you've given us through Jesus Christ. Father, help us all grow in your strength and your might and your power. Father, again, bless our time together at the picnic. Might it just be uh, just a wonderful overflow of all that you've accomplished this week to your praise, to your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.